Produced by Podcast Architects. You're listening to the Lead On Podcast, where we discuss experiences in the armed forces while exploring lessons from military leaders. Hey, welcome to Lead On Lessons from Military Leaders. I'm David Deary, your host and president of the Enlisted Leadership Foundation. And to speak leadership, joining me today is the none other than Jim Rich. He's the vice president of the leadership, Enlisted Leadership Foundation. And Jim's a 30-year Navy veteran. Jim retired some years ago as a command master chief. And prior to that, he was an electronic technician, not to be confused with an electrician's mate. Jim, good morning. How are you today? Good morning. I'm very well, thanks. How are you? I'm doing good. So uh, thanks for joining me on this episode of Lead On. Tell us, what's the worst piece of leadership advice somebody's ever given you? Uh, so uh, on my first ship, when I was a third class petty officer E4, there was an E5 RM who told me that the only way to promote and get ahead was to kiss ass. And uh, I, I was shocked. Um, however, uh, he retired as 30 years as a master chief as well. So perhaps that pathway worked for him, but it was not one that uh, I chose to pursue. 30 years in the military. Um, tell us about your early life. Where, where, where'd you, uh, you know, how old were you when you joined? Where were you living? And, and why did you join? I joined a little late, uh, comparatively speaking. I was living in the bustling metropolis of Barstow, California. And uh, you don't know where that is, and get in a car in Los Angeles and drive to Las Vegas. And when you stop for gas and McDonald's, because you will, you'll stop in Barstow. And that's what we were famous for. Um, I tried uh, several jobs and uh, looked at some education and nothing seemed to work for me and my wife and my two kids. And so I, I went in and uh, talked to a recruiter. And the next thing you know, I was raising my right hand. And why did you choose the, uh, why did you choose to be an electronics technician and not an electronics mate? Um, they offered me a data systems technician, fire control technician, and electronics technician. And all I wanted was training to get a job. And I looked at the description of the jobs that those two or three ratings did. And electronics technician looked like it uh, correlated better to uh, civilian sector. And so that's why I chose it. So. Uh, in those 30 years, uh, how, many, how many ships did you serve on? I served on, well, so I was attached to ship's company uh, to three ships, uh, USS Gary, FFG-51, USS Boxer, LHD-4, and USS Ronald Reagan, CBN-76. Uh, but I did um, a couple other sea duty tours, one with Naval Special Warfare, uh, the mobile comm team. It was a lot of ground time. and. Uh, Another one as the command master chief of VAW-117. And so we would uh, attach ourselves to whatever aircraft carrier our CAG belonged to, started as the Nimitz and ended up on the, um, the Truman. You know, one of my favorite port visits actually was Hong Kong. Um, and, and Hong Kong, I was, I was a, we had now become from radium into ITs and um, used to get some bootleg, I guess, CDs back in the day from Hong Kong. Hong Kong was a, was a pretty, pretty cool port visit, though, myself. And get some really good suits made in Hong Kong, which I probably still have one or two I would never wear again, though. I don't know. How about you, Hong Kong? Uh, bring back any memories? Hong Kong brings back more memories than I can uh, 
and we can talk about right here. I'm a runner, and I'm also an alcoholic, uh, a sober, recovering alcoholic. And I like to uh, I like to hash. That's not I like hash. I like hashing. Hashing is hash house terriers. It's uh, commonly described as uh, drinkers with a running problem. So they have a what they call a hound and, and hounds and a hare. And so the hare is somebody who lays out the, the trail. They go out, they lay a trail, and then the hounds follow. And there's all kinds of debauchery and false trails and drinking and singing and, and great and wonderful times. And in Hong Kong, the Wan Chai Hash House Harriers have a typhoon hash. So when the H8, as in Hotel 8, the number 8, flag flies, uh, that means that there's heavy winds coming and the typhoon's coming. And, and it's broken up into 12-hour segments. So if it flies at night going into the morning, they meet at a certain place. And if it flies in the morning going into the afternoon, then they'll meet at another place. And, and these crazies will go run a hash prior to a typhoon. Now, I thought this was a wonderful idea because why not? You know, um, however, that doesn't really correlate to the Navy's, uh, the Navy's core values and, and, and leadership as it goes. Uh, so I did what a good sailor is supposed to do. And I followed the direction, went back to the ship. We sortied. We did leave over 100 people behind in Hong Kong because they just didn't make it. Um, and getting them back was, uh, was something fierce. But um, I read the race report for, the, uh, the, for that hash, and uh, the winds weren't as strong as they were, and the people were talking a bit of trash. But, um, yeah, Hong Kong was, was something else. I have, uh, I have other hash stories as well that are safe for public consumption. From a leadership perspective, you know, is there, is there some sort of why would you do a hash? Why would you be a hash runner, which is associated with drinking? Um, being a recovering alcoholic and put yourself put yourself in an environment uh, surrounding alcohol, if you will. And and second part, I, I would be curious on is uh, as a leader, how has your um, past with alcohol uh, helped you when it comes to leading others um, that may ha- may or may not have an alcohol problem, but at least uh, you know. Alcohol always seemed to be a precursor to any sailors that got into trouble. I led a destructive lifestyle as I got into my uh, teenage years, and and my 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 battles with alcohol were uh, well, alcohol was winning. Alcohol was winning the war for 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 me, and I was um, I was disappointing uh, friends and family left and right, almost like knocking down dominoes. Uh, my destructive behavior reached its pinnacle, if you will, at the moment, whatever my bottom happened to be. And, uh, and I got sober. And um, I got sober roughly a year and a half and some change into my, uh, into my, my career. And uh, I put myself in positions with people that guided me into a place where I didn't have the desire to drink. And so as somebody who's sober, when you go into a Liberty port, right, and you have to have a Liberty buddy, uh, almost everybody wants to go drink. I mean, almost everybody wants to go drink or the people that don't are not necessarily people that have uh, the same interests that I do. And so I quickly realized that in order to do certain things, I had to make certain concessions. And I was on solid ground with my desires to drink. And my favorite hash story is uh, 
passion in Singapore. So I took a brand new chief petty officer and two other chief petty officers, all that worked for me and said, come on guys, let's go. And here's the deal. Hashing gets you into the community and you get to meet people. You get to meet expatriates from different countries and you get to meet locals and, and you, you're, you're away from all of the hustle and bustle and the nonsense that normal sailors are happening to get into. And, and really, if you just moderate, it's dirty fun because you're out there running. So we start this hash run and we head into the jungle. And there's, there's like little, little cups that, that are tapping rubber from rubber trees. And if you've ever got that on you, that stuff sinks to high heaven, right? So we're running by. There's signs that say unexploded ordnance. My friends are freaking out. Later on, we find out that there were crocodiles and snakes in this jungle. And, and of course, I guess that's where crocodiles and snakes reside. But the sun is starting to go down. And uh, I looked at one of the locals and I said, hey, uh, how long before it gets dark? And they're like, about 15 minutes, mate. And I was like, how far are we in the jungle? They're about 25. And I looked at my friends and I said, stick with a local, don't let go. Right. And and, you know, <laughs> their eyes got big and I was like, don't, you know, we don't want to get lost in the jungle. Um, so we finished up, we go to the down, down and we have a great time. And then they asked us, would you guys like to go to the restaurant with us? And we did. And we got to meet these people and we got to talk and we got to share our stories and they shared their stories. They shared where they were from, why they left the country they were in and why they were in Singapore. And, and there was exposure to different cultures, different cultures and different things that, that we just wouldn't see if we were at the local bar you know, 200 yards from the pier. And, and I just don't drink. I just don't drink. I have zero desire to drink. So I kind of shepherded my chiefs, if you will, um, into something that they would have not done before. And I just, I, I do it again and again and again, if I could, um, because I get to meet the most fantastic people. You know, um, I don't know if you remember, Kind of late in our our careers, we transitioned out not too far apart from each other. Um, the 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 and I believe it's still around today. The CSAC Coalition Sailors Against Destructive Decisions, um, which is you know all about taking uh, go taking liberty, going in these foreign ports as, as well as in your home port and doing things aside from alcohol. So you know as a as a leader yourself that experienced the benefits of doing something like you just described uh without the use of alcohol and how you benefited uh and you you knew your chiefs would benefit what other ways um what other suggestions would you have for leaders uh as they send their troops you know at the at the end of the day going out or on a deployment what would you suggest that they do and how would you motivate them to go do these alternative things that don't involve alcohol. I talk real. I talk plain language. I talk, um, I talk like an alcoholic because I am one. So what I do is, is, is there were times as a leader that I would have to, you know, I'd always have my master chief hat on or my chief hat or whatever hat on. I'd have my Navy hat on, right? And, and, and if it was a disciplinary uh, situation, I would have to counsel or, or, or levy whatever was necessary because because that's the job, and I would constantly get um, I would constantly get people coming to me off to the side. Hey, can you talk to my person, my sailor? Can you can you do this? You know, they've got a problem with this, and I would tell my story. So I kind of split it like wear two hats, right? Um, 
And so what I would do is, is I would explain my behavior. I would explain my behavior in a manner that they understood. Because when I start to tell my story and people start to nod their head like, oh, I've done that, right? And they kind of hide their head a little bit in shame. Like, mm-hmm. And I'm, I'm not going to get into instances, but, but if you've had them, you've had them. If you haven't, you haven't, right? Um, and and I, would, I would tell stories and, and laugh about things that other people would shudder at. And it's like, as an alcoholic, um, mm-hmm. as an alcoholic, we take light in, 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 in some of the things that we have done after the fact. Whereas uh, the normal person, as we would call them normies, uh, would sit there and just recoil like, whoa, you did what? And why are you laughing about that? And well, because I made it through the other side. And as, as an alcoholic, it's kind of a, um, a shared, uh, shared struggle, so to speak, right? And, and if I've shared my struggle with you and you're still in the midst of your struggle and you see that I'm no longer mm-hmm. in that struggle, then you might come talk to me. And that's, that's the best I can hope for. I can't make you come talk to me. I can't make somebody sober. Um, so I just, I just tell my story. I just tell my story. And if they relate, which normally they do, whether they're ready to, to get it or not. Um, and then I explain to them, there is this, 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 and this. And you can go out with so, 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 and so, and so. Um, and you can, you, can, you can do it. Um, I've, I've ended up with more protégés than I can count, um, based on somebody coming to me and saying, you know, this person is on their last leg. They're going to get thrown out if they go up, uh, for punishment and, and this is levied. If not, will you talk to them? And I'm like, I'll talk to them regardless. And I'm still in contact with a number of those people today. So that's, that's what I do. And that's fantastic. It really reminds me of being an empathetic leader, right? You're, you're, you're sharing of your story, which leaders really we need to do. And I think in the military, we, we especially as a senior uh, military leader, we need more to be able to, to, to share who they are, to share of their failures, uh, to be transparent. And uh, because that empathy will draw others to you. So to be able to share and, and, you know, we can we can go off track and even talk about the bond that we have as military, right? And share those those common struggles, common stories, um, which, you know, you, you why you're able to and we can laugh at some of those those things that probably if uh, if we were to share on on this venue, people would shudder at and would not believe that we would laugh at such things. But understanding so much has to be into context or in the setting uh, in which we in, in which we grew up. Right. Um, but you know, you, you mentioned something that reminded me, you know, when you say you wear your hat, whether it's your master chief hat or your chief hat or whatever leadership position hat that you happen to be in, right? Because when you, you say that, it's like, this is the position I'm at as a leader. That doesn't necessarily mean you're going to be a positional leader, but just recognize that hat there's a certain level of authority that you have based on the hat that you're wearing at the time. But you did a, a talk recently on microaggressions. And I think that, you know, I really, do, you know, it, how do microaggressions, you know, the, the, the do better and don't be mean tie into the hat that you wear. First off, when I volunteered to, to, to do a talk on microaggressions, because I thought it was something else. And I volunteered 
to do that talk because I thought that it would help me get some insight into some behaviors that I had and I would learn from that and, and, and become better. And in a sense, it did. It just was a different definition. I thought it was uh, rolling the eyes and being sarcastic and, and, and just being a, a general pain in the ass to, to leaders or, or peers or subordinates, um, but it, it wasn't. It was, um, it was actions and behaviors and, and patterns of speech and phrases and things that are used, whether conscious or, or uh, subconscious, to marginalize groups of people. And then I looked at that and I was like, oh, I volunteered for this. Now I can't back out. And then I looked at it and I thought, oh, I've done some of this, you know? And, and uh, so I, I started to, I mean, I went down the rabbit hole and, and, you know, there were things that I had done consciously and subconsciously and, and in groups of settings of, of very close friends. And then, you know, where, like I could say it with these three people because we know and love each other and know where we stand. But if somebody else heard it, it would be uh, like, you're this or you're that, or I can't believe you said this. And so, so you don't say that. So what I, what I looked at as I, as I was beginning to develop this talk was, um, you know, we could all do better. We, we just, just do better. And, and, and I have to be able to say that to you. And my want is that you're able to hear it and understand that I'm not saying that you're bad. I'm just saying do better, right? If, if, if I can't look at my life and the way I do things, and I can't take a little bit of, of guidance or even criticism, Ooh, don't say criticism, criticism and say, you know, hey, Jim, you could have said this this way. You could have been a little more sympathetic, empathetic, whatever, a little more kind in your delivery. How about you try and do better? It's like, gotcha. I, that's not a slam on me. And the other one is just simply don't be mean. I mean, there, I, I, I do. I dislike. I hate. I hate to say hate, but I dislike when somebody says I'm brutally honest. And it's like. That's yeah, not a, a, a free pass to be mean, right? You just don't be mean. You know, well, I don't want to sugarcoat anything. There's several ways to give somebody some news or say something to somebody without attacking them. It just is, right? So do better. Don't be mean. It, it, it's quite simple. And, and um, I, I, I don't know. Those are kind of watchwords for me to live by right now. But I'm always curious. Is, was, is there any leadership? Um, any leadership bad decision that you made that had a successful outcome? Um, no, uh, I say that in jest. I've, I've, I've made several incorrect decisions. Um, but one that comes to mind in particular was when I was on Boxer, uh, we had, I got there right after 9-11. And we had a, a commanding officer who was, he took force protection so seriously, David, that ships, and I, I, ships would not pull into the pier if they could take another day at sea and pull into another pier because our CO was so strict. So for those of you that don't understand the military, it's like we're all going to volunteer to stay away from our families for another day or two because we don't want to park where this guy has so many rules. That's how bad this guy was. So we were getting ready to do an assessment with a float training group, and I was the force protection officer of choice uh, based on some things. And so I got my team together, and I told them that 
you know, your perimeter, your gun mount on the ship is where you're at. And if you can only see this much, this much, that's, that's all you're responsible for. What you hear on the radio, what you hear, what you see, you're only responsible for this. And we trained and we trained and we trained for them to be responsible. And so we're, we're at anchor, it's dark, and they're going to send a boat our way. And this boat is going to attack us. And there are rules of engagement. And, and with me, if we follow all the rules of engagement, there is no delay. After all the rules of engagement are followed, if, if the threat is there, we're going to open fire and we'll deal with whatever aftermath later. So they didn't send one boat. They sent two. Tricky, tricky little guys, right? And I accidentally called out port instead of starboard. And the sailors that were on my team understood that I made an error. And the sailor on the starboard side lit up that boat. And, and so we took out the second boat. We took out the first one. We took out the second boat. And we did it with lights. So I actually mean figuratively and literally lit that boat up. Um, <laughs> they lit that boat up and we passed. And, and, you know, everybody thought I was the hero. And it's like, I'm not the hero. Did you hear me? I said port and not starboard, right? And that second class petty officer that was out there had the wherewithal to pay attention to the training and pay attention to the situation and do what he was supposed to do and follow the rules of engagement and open fire. And had they listened the other way, that boat would have lit us up. We would have failed. And had it been real, you know, there'd have been casualties. Well, Jim, uh, once again, thank you for joining us today on Lead On Lessons in Leadership, uh, the Enlisted Leadership Foundation podcast. Join us every 1st and 15th military paydays for another episode of Lead On. And until next time, continue to lead on in whatever capacity you find yourself. Bye-bye.